Friday morning lights. Long fly ball to center. Going, going, gone! No! Shot! Score! Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Friday Morning Lights. It's Ryland Turner, and now joined by Kyle Joseph. Kyle, it's, just, it's, it's the first episode of our brand new sports show. Are you excited, sir? Yeah, I am. We've got a lot of very interesting stuff to talk about in this particular episode. And yeah, it's going to be interesting going over the world of sports and also talking about stuff that is very familiar to wrestling fans as we do it. Yes. Because uh, you can't really get away from it. No, not really. Especially, uh, especially with the, the the big topic we're going to talk about uh, this morning. So we'll start with we've got a few things we want to talk about today, but I think the first thing we're going to start with is because we haven't had a chance to really talk about it. The merger between PGA and Live Golf. Now, Alan, I don't know if you know a lot about Live Golf. I, I know that it is run by the same organization that one, at one time tried to buy the WWE. So the Monetary backing for Live Golf comes from the public investment fund. This is basically the government of Saudi Arabia's pool of money that they use to invest in all kinds of different things. For example, the public investment fund is the reason that there's WWE events happening in Saudi Arabia. This was part of their plan, uh, I believe it's Vision 2030. This was a plan for them to basically Saudi Arabia has a problem that they have a whole bunch of money from oil wealth, but there's a limit for how long oil wealth is going to be able to continue to be a reliable means of making money as the world moves slightly more away from oil, uh, sort of depending on how quickly we decide to do that. But um, Saudi Arabia wants to diversify their means of making money. And one of the big ways that they've wanted to do that is by making investments in the entertainment sector. Uh, UFC has been sort of a big thing. They've had some fights involved in that. Obviously, the WWE stuff that we've talked about. The investment fund is now a big money behind Newcastle, the uh, Premier League team. And... Of course, they are the money behind Live Golf. And Live Golf was basically the PGA had a bit of a, a problem where a number of their athletes felt like they were getting underpaid and didn't have a reasonable amount. Like the schedules they didn't particularly like. They didn't like PGA leadership. Phil Mac Mickelson put his foot in his mouth hard early on in this um, because, you know, very much defending Saudi Arabia and sort of downplaying some of the stuff, the human rights and um, involvement in, in 9-11 and everything like that. But the purpose of this basically was it was a series of events that were less involved, uh, easier calendar, a lot of cash being thrown around at winners. And as opposed to a four-round event, Live is called Live because it's 54 holes, uh, L-I-V being the Roman numerals for 54. 
So Live Golf started last year. PGA came out hard against them. Uh, they also have teams as part of this peach or as part of this live golf uh, situation, where golfers will will play uh, in, as individuals and also as part of a team. Um, suffice to say, PGA came out very hard against this when live golf initially sort of came to pass, saying that anybody who joined live golf was basically dead to the PGA and they wanted to revoke their memberships if you decide to play for live golf. You're not playing part of PGA. They wanted the, the players uh, to not be involved in all of the tournaments, but there's an important thing that you have to know about PG, the PGA, and that is that their power over golf is kind of limited. Now, when I talk about the PGA, I'm talking about the PGA Tour, which I don't know if you know this, Rylan, is actually a separate organization from the PGA which is the association of golf professionals that represents people like club pros and other people involved in like golf all across the United States. There's also uh, okay. similar organizations in Canada and all over the world. The PGA Tour separated from that, I believe, in the 70s and is what runs the majority of the golf season the PGA golf season. Uh, it was established in 1968, uh, separated from uh, from the PGA, the golf association that we were talking about. But those two organizations are technically separate. Now, what makes the PGA kind of in a difficult position with a lot of this is that while they control a lot of the tournaments and a lot of the calendar and have a lot of that power, they do not control the majors. I think I'm not sure if you knew this. I, I, I know none of the this. Four so. major, <laughs> the four major golf tournaments are run by different organizations. The PGA Championship is run by the PGA, the golf association that is like the club professionals and that membership group. That runs the PGA Championship. The U.S. Open is run by the U.S. Golf Association. The Open Championship, also known as the British Open, that is run by the British Golf Association. And the Masters is run by Augusta National Golfers. And the club, Country Club. The weird organization that that is. So those four tournaments, the PGA Tour has no control over. So this season in particular has been a lot of live golf members coming and competing in the majors. And if I'm not mistaken, actually won one. I will double check this. Um, but this is becoming a bit of a problem for the PGA Tour was they felt like they were getting undercut in a lot of this. And their power was kind of, or, or felt a little bit eroded. Uh, Brooks Kepka won the PGA Championship this year, which, again, um, the, he is a member of Live Golf. Okay. He's one of the most prominent members of Live Golf. Um, people sort of involved in it right now, recognizable names if there are any for, for any golf fans. Uh, obviously, Phil Mickelson uh, that I mentioned before. Uh, Bryce DeChambeau is kind of a big one. Bubba Watson, another sort of bigger name. Patrick Reed, Louis Osteson. 
um, Martin Keimer, Paul Casey, number of guys who have won uh, majors before, who, or have had you know a, a variety of people who've had success on the the major golf tour on the PGA tour in the past. Uh, Charles Charles Schwartzel, another one. So a lot of these guys had defected over. Actually, the biggest one I probably should mention is Dustin Johnson, um, who is a former major champion. And also, I don't know if you know this, is uh, married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter. I didn't. Lucky guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that is, that's live golf, is those members went over, the PGA cut them out. So it came as a bit of a shock to golf fans who have been told basically uh, that the PGA was the only real golf association that live was, was fake had their members sort of like, if you defect to live, we will punish you all of that stuff. And then they announced that they were forming an, a commercial entity that was going to be headed by Jay Monahan, who was the PGA tour commissioner in the past and backed by the public investment fund monetarily, uh, a number of those people sitting on the board of directors for this, I believe. Um, uh, I believe it's Yasir Al Rumayan who is the chair of this organization. I can't remember. It's one of the members of that um, of the public investment fund who is going to be the chairman of the board of this new organization. And we actually did a. They did a press tour with Jay Monahan going on all the shows about this. And it was really weird. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, it was Yasser Al-Rumayan, if I'm saying that right. Uh, He and Jay Monahan basically did the the press junket to talk about this new organization, how the PGA Tour in the past was technically classified as a a registered charity or a, not sorry, a not-for-profit organization. Whereas this new organization that is going to run the PGA tour and live golf and a couple of other associations as well is going to be a proper commercial entity. I think they're still going to try to register for not-for-profit status. I have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to pull that off. Yeah, absolutely. So, the live golfers are basically going to get to find a, they're going to have a way to come back to the PGA tour if they want to. And they, a lot of the big names, especially took big cash payments to go play for live. Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson were rumored to have been uh, given nine figure saddle or uh, sums to go play for live uh, in addition to the winnings that they made actually playing on that tour. And yeah, live golfers, the people who sort of went over to that side, uh, they come out really looking great. Uh, although admittedly, Greg Norman, who was the CEO of live golf seems to be nowhere near this new PGA organization stands to reason that he has been cut out of the golfing world um, in this new golf paradigm. But 
we'll see what happens with all of this. It is a very odd situation. The PGA comes out looking awfully hypocritical. And yeah, yeah the whole, this new plan, whatever it is, is going to start next year. We'll see what happens with it. Cause right now it feels like it's a weird situation. To say the very least, uh, and if uh, Saudi Arabia can't get wrestling, they'll get golf, though. They'll get golf. Yeah, and that's the thing about it, is that this is what is expected in this right now, is that a lot of people are speculating that this is their first step into the door into major U.S. sports. Because whereas the WWE they've been involved with in uh, some capacity, they've really only been involved with the shows that WWE has run in Saudi Arabia. They haven't been involved in the U.S. dealings of the of the WWE proper. They haven't been involved in the management. There was rumor they wanted to buy it, but they didn't end up uh, being able to purchase it. So the question sort of going to come down to, is this the first step in the door for the public investment fund to start making investments in U.S. sports? Are we going to see them potentially make moves to purchase a major four sports team or to try to throw money around involved in some other major sport in the U.S.? There's a lot of you know money to be made in this sort of sports world right now, and they really want to be a big part of it. So, yeah, stay, and the biggest thing is there's been a lot of moralizing about a lot of this, which is totally justified, by the way. Um, I don't want to defend Saudi Arabia by any stretch of the imagination. All of this is totally warranted and looks really, really sketchy in the light. They have been dangling a lot of money at a lot of people, and it is going to be hard, I think, for a lot of these other organizations in U.S. major sports, if they can get away with it, to turn down that dangle of all that money. If I know anything about sports organizations, boy, do they love to make money over anything else. Tiger Woods was very adamant that he uh, was not going over to live golf. Has there been any sort of um, response from him? From what I've seen, Tiger Woods has been incredibly quiet about all of this. The rumor was that live golf offered him something on the order of $700 million to try to convince him to golf for them. Um, He turned it down. And uh, Tiger Woods is a hard guy to bribe. Yeah. He kind of has a good deal of money. But, but yeah, he has been fairly critical of live golf and has been very much seemingly on the side of PGA. Um, He has not said a lot. It does appear that... One of the other big advocates, Rory McIlroy, was a big PGA guy. He seems to have walked back his disdain for um, the people involved in Live Golf, though he has remained adamant that he still hates Live Golf as an organization. But now, you know, the people who were at least, you know, the money behind Live Golf are now going to be throwing money into the PGA Tour. And the biggest thing is, I think those purses are going to get a lot bigger for the PGA Tour players, which, you know, money is always good, but I imagine there's going to be at least a few players who were offered 
huge money to come over to play to live golf who now are going to be sitting there a little bit kicking themselves that that huge money, they didn't get to pocket that huge money. I, I would, yeah, definitely. I, I would definitely be upset considering the, the, the circumstances of this uh, situation. <clears throat> well, Kyle, that yeah, was, the uh, seemed to, that was they in- took the bag. <laughs> they did. Uh, this was a uh, super educational. I, uh, I'm glad I, I was, or you would come to me with this idea because, uh, again, going into this, I really didn't know much about this situation, but I feel a little bit, uh, more educated on it now. And I guess we'll see where it goes going forward. I, I guess they've released their, um, their structure and how that things are going to go going forward, but, uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, this is very much a stay tuned situation. So, uh, we wanted to move on. Uh, you wanted to talk about um, playoffs, some things that happened in the the world of the other four major sports. Well, I I'm a avid basketball guy, as we all know. Listening to this show, uh, the NBA playoffs were what they were. It came down uh, to the Nuggets and the Heat in the finals. Uh, the Nuggets nearly swept the Heat. And uh, we have new NBA champions. It, is it not four different NBA champions in the last four years, which is something that hasn't happened for some time? Um, I believe you're right about that. I'm trying to remember who won it because Golden State won it last year. Right. Um, the year before would have been Milwaukee. Milwaukee and the Lakers won it the year before that. Yeah. And then even before that, you're talking the Raptors. Yeah. Raptors before that. So it's five. That's five years running. And then we get to the the last of the Golden State Championship, or what we thought at the time was going to be the last of the Golden State Championships um, after that. So, yeah, the two things we sort of learned about these playoffs for those top teams was, one, Miami outworked the East. And we don't give nearly enough credit to Jimmy Butler for how tremendous a player he actually is. Uh, and Jimmy Butler continues to prove, especially in those playoff situations, um, how much of a, just a stone cold, uh, the, how much of a big dog he can really be. And continues to be just one of those guys who's just going to grind it out, going to make everybody pay. It's so weird to me thinking about him. This is a guy who... He's only been an all-star six times, but continues to every season, especially recently, just show everybody how important a player that he is and how much of a great fit he is in Miami. Absolutely. Like, he's really had Miami put on his back. And while they haven't brought home a championship yet, this is two finals appearances. Am I wrong? With Jimmy Butler at the helm? Yes, he also... He also appeared uh, in the Lakers. They, he lost the Lakers when they when they won their championship. Uh, the other thing was that whole oh boy did Denver look like a well oiled machine this whole mm. playoffs. They did, and and they only lost four games. <laughs> and when going into this final, the assumption was that Denver was going to do it. There was one game, obviously, that didn't go their way, but I mean. What can you what can you say uh, much more than like you said, well oiled machine, uh, stars among stars with with uh, Jochic and um, what's I, I the guy's name is he's Canadian 
what, what is his name? Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. Yes, I would have never got that. So Nikola Jokic is already seems to be pretty clearly a first ballot hall. Like we're talking about a guy who I think when we are all all is said and done is going to go down as one of the best, maybe twenty players, twenty five players of all time, which is really saying something. That is rarefied air, but the. He has broken the charts when it comes to offensive production. He is the engine that runs that offense. It, it is not uncommon for him to be the team leader in points, rebounds, and assists. Like He makes it look so easy. And then on top of that, the team that they built around him works so well. at. Um, he makes them so much better. And they work so well at uh, doing what it is that they need to do, doing their jobs. Um, you mentioned Jamal Murray, who was an absolute beast in these playoffs. Um, Michael Porter, who finally is healthy. It was really nice to see him have this playoff run where he was fully healthy. That was It was really cool to see. And it went to show you know, that when this guy is good to go, he can deliver in a a pretty substantive way. On top of that, um, the other players that they had sort of going in this, some surprises. Aaron Gordon. Um, Aaron Gordon being a key contributor on this team was really cool to see. Um, He felt a little bit lost in Orlando and he seems to slot in as like the fourth best player on this team seems to be such a great role for him Mm -hmm. and still has that athleticism still um, can find nights where he's pulling down great rebounds or scoring pretty well. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, who if I'm not mistaken was also a a big contributor on that Lakers team um, when they won their championship. So that's two titles for him now. And, yeah, the bench also getting it done. But, again, Nikola Jokic averaged 30 points, 13.5 rebounds, and 9.5 assists in the playoffs. He shot almost 55% from the the floor and over 46% from three. And he's 6'11". This is... he, He is... It, again, you don't make these. This is just a guy who, and incredibly unique as a player. And also, very interesting, um, it's funny to find somebody who was picked later in the draft than Jimmy Butler having an outsized role, uh, starring role on a championship team. Uh, Butler picked 30th uh, fairly famously, and uh, Nikola Jokic sort of unceremoniously picked 41st. He was a second-round pick. but. Two-time MVP now, has the finals MVP, has um, multiple first-team All-NBAs, probably should have had another one this year. Just a player who's on another level. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about the NBA next month. I want to definitely get into some free agent frenzy uh, once that all concludes. So stay tuned for more of that. Uh, Kyle, getting into a sport we really don't cover a lot on this program, uh, the NHL. Uh, The 
Seattle uh, Kraken made their first season a, a successful one, making it into the playoffs and getting past the first round. So I think that's notable. Um, the Oilers, uh, they again got to the second round and couldn't get past the Knights, but this is another team that you don't see do very much lately. So it was kind of interesting to see that. Uh, let's uh, get your thoughts. Uh, if you had anything, you know, and the, the, the champions being the, the Golden Knights, what do you got to say about hockey this year, Kyle? Uh, quick point quick point of clarification. This was indeed the Seattle Kraken's second season. Oh, okay, second season. But, yes, beyond that, uh, still a very impressive second season to get yes. all the way to the second round and knocked out in seven games in the second round, mind you. Um, talk about Vegas, and it was very interesting to watch Vegas, uh, who absolutely dog-walked the, the Jets in the first round. Um, <laughs> they just looked like the team that I think everybody knew they had the potential to be, but they had never been able to put it all together until these playoffs. And then in these playoffs, they just looked really, really good. Not really a lot to say about it. Um, winning a scoring race against the the high-powered Edmonton Oilers, who, once again, I feel like there comes a point where these early playoff exits, admittedly making the playoffs is kind of nice, but um, there is a lot of disappointment in Edmonton, I think, to not be able to make it further again because they made the conference championship last year before Colorado um, took them to task. Carolina, sort of in a similar boat. I think there's really, really high expectations in Carolina. Um, and then they got swept in the conference championships by the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins. Really, everybody that Florida knocked out, yes, really felt like they this was supposed to be their year. The Boston Bruins breaking all kinds of regular season records, and Florida comes out and knocks them out. And then Toronto only put, picked a game off of them. And then, yeah, getting the sweep over Carolina, they were coming in a, a white-hot team. Sergei Bobrovsky finally putting together what I think the Florida Panthers brought him in to be in a way mm. that he really hadn't up to that point. But Vegas just overpowered them in the final. Um, Jack Eichel finally getting that championship, free from the shackles of the Buffalo Sabres. Um, <laughs> The pain that is Jonathan Marchessault, the playoff leader um, in points, who was acquired in the expansion draft from Florida. Florida had him on their team. He was a 30-goal scorer, and they let him walk. Still, to this day, do not understand it. That organization has had their share of ups and downs. Um, also, Matthew Tuchuk, the big acquisition uh, this offseason for the Florida Panthers, having a very good playoffs in his own right, also impressive to see. Ultimately, Vegas pulled off a very impressive performance. Aiden Hill, uh, a shocking um, turn for this guy who, you know, wasn't even fully really a part of the Vegas season this year, was kind of served as their backup primarily, comes in and um, as an outsized starring role, performs in a way that we really haven't seen him perform to this point. So, um, yeah, 
can't say anything particularly bad about the the Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, they won the championship, and they looked really dominant basically throughout these entire playoffs. Credit to them. Credit to Florida for making it all the way to the championship uh, and knocking off the teams that they did. But ultimately, uh, Vegas has been really pushing hard and selling out their future in a big way to try to get this Stanley Cup after they had that little bit of a taste in that first season where they almost got it uh, right off the bat. But yeah, they pulled it off and they deserved it. It was a great season for them. And to everybody involved in that organization, Bruce Cassidy, uh, Kelly McCrimmon, who uh, for a long time was the head of the Brandon Wheat Kings. He was in charge of it for years and years and years. Um, was brought in to be a part of the their front office, and now he's got a championship as a GM. So uh, very, very impressive for everybody involved in that organization. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights a deserving champion. All right, Kyle. Well, uh, again, we're going to talk a little bit more about the NHL next month when we talk about a little bit of what's going on free agency-wise there. I know there's going to be a lot to talk about with the ever-exploding Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Their organization is just a a dumpster fire right now, and we are raffling off our best players as fast as we can give them away. Um, With all that being said, though, it's time. The train is coming, let me tell you. Look forward to that next month, guys. Uh, we'll, I've got some exciting opinions about what's what's going on there. Um, Kyle, it's time to get into the world of baseball. Yes, it is. Before we really fully take off here, um, I did just attend my first Major League game. I went and saw the uh, the Blue Jays play the San Francisco Giants. And, and uh, I will say, the best sporting experience I've ever had live, I think. I've seen a couple NHL games. Like, I've been out and about. and But uh, seeing the Jays is something different. Uh, and it was a win, so that was great. It was also vote on your uh, vote on the All Stars game, so you got a bunch of half off merch and uh, a jersey when you walked in the door. Like it was a great, great experience. Um, and again, ultimately, really fun to see them win. Uh, two rows back from the bullpen, so uh, you know, being able to you know, try and convince uh, Jordan Romano to throw me a ball because it was my first time at a Jays game was was ever so funny. As he just completely ignored me and focused on uh, you do using the bullpen like he should be. Uh, but no, great, great experience. And for anyone who hasn't gone out and seen a major league game, like, is it? I mean, I don't know what it's like pricing wise uh, throughout the rest of the world, but like eighty bucks to sit two rows back from the bullpen and have a great Jays experience. I, 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 I think that's well worth the money. Uh, first Jays game for me. Uh, the 2007 Blue Jays season, uh, family trip to Kansas City, got to watch a couple games out there, and they're beautiful, but at the time, sparsely attended ballpark, um, Coffin Stadium. was a lot of fun to see, uh, to get to experience that, got to see A.J. Burnett pitch. Uh, they won the first game we watched, but we doubled down, tried to watch another one, and they lost it, um, which was par for the course for the chase pack in those days. They were very, uh, that season they were a really even Steven team. Um, yeah. Uh, it's exciting to talk about. Uh, do we want to get into the, the team stuff? Yeah. Let's, let's get into, uh, 
Uh, I'll pull it up right now where our standings currently sit. Uh, we'll start with the American League. Um, the Rays are on top of the AL East. Uh, closely followed by the Orioles, who are having uh, a season that I, I don't think anyone expected the Orioles to have. Any thoughts on those two? Um, yeah, Tampa Bay um, started out on a torrid pace this season. They were just hammering through in the early parts of this year. Uh, have slowed down a little bit since then, but still top of the division, if I'm not mistaken, top of baseball uh, still. Not quite. Uh, Atlanta has caught them in that regard, but the top of the AL certainly and by a wide margin. Um, What to say about Tampa Bay? Just having another of those Tampa Bay seasons, uh, Wander Franco is the real deal. He looks like he is going to be a future star at shortstop. Um, Obviously, they've had some some controversy with him. He had a moment where he flipped the ball to himself before throwing a guy out that got all the the baseball fans up in arms. But this is a kid who's 22, incredibly talented, having fun playing baseball. I'm never going to knock somebody for that. Randy Rosarena, I think we knew from the World Baseball Classic that this guy was going to be a beast, and he's having another beastly season. Um OPS plus of 149, which isn't even leading the team. That's Yandy Diaz is a 156. Across the board, they're hitting so, so very well. Um, just an unstoppable hitting machine. And then the pitching, Shane Clanahan's currently hurt, and as is Drew Rasmussen. Rasmussen's going to be out for quite a while. But McClanahan having another Cy Young caliber season. The rest of their starting staff, largely been very good. The bullpen is the kind of stuff you would come to expect from a Rays bullpen, which is a bunch of guys you haven't necessarily heard of just having dominant seasons. Um, yeah, the Rays are the Rays, and they're having the most Raysy season I can remember in a while. We'll see if they're able to carry it on. I think the big thing for them remains, I mean, beyond they need to build a new stadium because their stadium is truly horrible. Um, but they're going to continue to have a lot of success. We will see if they can translate it um, to the playoffs once they get there. Also, you mentioned the Baltimore Orioles. Adley Rushman finally getting his full season in, and he looks every bit the star that they were hoping he would be. Gunnar Henderson has really pulled his season together as well. Um, starting to turn uh, things around for himself. Uh, a lot of pop off that bat as well. Bats have been largely good. Surprising for some of the names. Austin Hayes, Anthony Satander, um, Ryan O'Hearn, all having very good seasons. Not necessarily guys you expect to hear at the top of the, of the charts, but here we go. The question for them is going to be, now, they have some incredible bullpen pieces. Felix Batista might be the best closer in baseball right now, and Yenir Cano might be the best setup man in baseball. But the starting staff is all right. They've been pretty good, but there are definitely concerns about it going forward, and that's going to be the big question for them is, is the pitching able to hold on, especially if the hitting regresses back to the mean a little bit, uh, as we go on in the season, 
Baltimore's out to a great start, and that is very good. And I don't want to knock them for it. They could well end up making the playoffs, and hopefully they're able to uh, hold on and carry that momentum forward. But there are some concerns around the fringes. The Blue Jays and the Red Sox are at the bottom of the AL East. Uh, let's talk about the Blue Jays first. Actually, no, let's let's talk Red Sox first, and we'll end with the, the AL East with the with the Blue Jays. Red Sox. What's uh, the problem? Well, I the Yankees, too. Okay, well, yeah, let's mention the Yankees. Start with the Yankees. Um, not much to say about the Yankees. They're having kind of the season that everyone would expect them to have, where Aaron Judge is putting up cartoon numbers. Um, an OPS plus of a staggering 193. Just he's on another planet. But the rest of the team, <clears throat> and yeah, same thing. Garrett Cole having another dominant, not quite Cy Young, but just like a half step down caliber season so far this season for the Yankees. And then everyone else, they've got a lot of dudes. Biggest disappointment probably to see that um, Anthony Volpe and Oswaldo Carrera in particular have not risen to the occasion like the team expected them to, being the sort of young up-and-coming players, particularly Volpe, who has been okay, certainly shown some power, but not the type of player they kind of expected him to be. He's got time. He's still very young. I expect that he'll continue to uh, develop and grow. Uh, Josh Donaldson looks like a shell of his former self and is full, basically fully out of the rotation at the, the lineup at this point. Um, getting beat up by DJ Mayhew is never a great sign um, for him. Sad to see, uh, but it happens to everybody at the end. Um, the bullpen's very good, like you'd expect the Yankees bullpen to be, but the starters got to get more out of them. And Jaron Judge can't do this alone. He can't be the only bat on this team. And again, they're probably going to make the playoffs. I would expect the Yankees seem like a team that should be able to make it to the dance. But there are definitely concerns. And this is a team that, again, the Yankees have had a long time since they've won a world championship. And the fans are starting to get really rapid. Red Sox. I can't believe I'm saying this, are kind of having a season above expectations, despite the fact that they're sitting in last in the division. Um, Masataka Yoshida, their big acquisition, has been, as advertised, an excellent, excellent player. Uh, Raphael Devers has been good, but not maybe the, to the high, high level that they expected when they re-signed him. Uh, they're getting decent play out of Justin Turner, out of um, Alex Verdugo. Some solid hitting. Solid pitching. The big concern for them right now, pitching-wise especially, injuries are taking their toll. But you've got a lot of guys like Chris Sale, like Corey Kluber, like James Paxton, who have had injury issues in the past, and you're expecting them to hopefully hold on to the and be able to get through it. I'm pretty sure Chris Sale is done for the season at this point. This is... A Red Sox team that I think they'll be there's some positive momentum, particularly with Yoshida being a star. But again, this is a team that you'd expect to be willing to be out there spending more money, acquiring bigger names, and they just haven't been that team recently. Again, they gave away Mookie Betts, which is just not a team thing I would have ever expected. Red Sox team, right? The Blue Jays, boy, oh boy. 
The season has been a disappointment. They haven't been the most disappointing team. I think a lot of Blue Jays fans have believed that they have been the most disappointing team in baseball. They're not at that level. We'll talk about a couple teams in the NL that are going to hold that candle. But it's disappointing. Um, Vladimir Guerrero has picked up his season a bit, but an OPS plus of 121, it's hard to call that disappointing because it is quite good. But Again, the expectations for Vladdy Jr. are incredibly high, and that goes to show just how uh, much is expected out of him. And yeah, he hasn't quite been at that the level they've been hoping. Bo Bichette has been tearing the cover off the ball. That guy has been an absolute beast this season, and the best hitter far and away for the Blue Jays. The big problem is he's not getting the kind of support that he would have hoped. Uh, George Springer has started to regress his numbers a little bit. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer has been a revelation and is hitting extremely well for Kevin Kiermeyer, but he is Kevin Kiermeyer. You definitely expect more from him out of the glove. And Alejandro Kirk just not having the performance that they really would have hoped. Uh, the only upside, I guess, the only positive they can really take away from him and the disappointing season for Dalton Varsho, their big trade acquisition is that super prospect Gabriel Moreno is having an even worse season in Arizona. So maybe you can take a little bit of comfort out of that. Pitching-wise, the bullpen's been fine. Still expect a bit more out of them. Um, Nate Pearson has flashed some incredible stuff, but needs to be more consistent. The starters, here's the problem with the starting rotation. It has been pretty good. Kevin Gossman looking very, very strong. His numbers seem to indicate that he's going to be even more impressive in the back half of the season than he has been already. I expect him to start to put up the kind of Cy Young numbers that you uh, we've come to expect out of him. Jose Barrios looks like a guy who could actually be a person. He can actually be a, pit, a decent pitcher. You can trot him out and not fear for the, the baseball as he goes out every five days. So that's For him, who's got I think six years left on that big contract. That is the best news that you can get out of that. Uh, Chris Bassett has been okay. I think they expected bigger things out of him. Yusei uh, Kikuchi has been okay. I think that's exactly what they were hoping out of him, um, was that he'd be an okay starter. And then we got to talk about Alec Manoa. I don't want to talk about Alec Manoa like this. Why? The rest of the world is. 636 ERA and even higher FIP. Um, like, let me be clear on, on the sad thing about Alec Manoa. If you want to talk about the number that jumps out at you, because he was a uh, Cy Young candidate a year ago. Finished third in Cy Young. Last year, he pitched 196.2 innings. In that time, he gave up 51 walks. This season, he has pitched 58 innings, and he has 42 walks. Oh, my Lord. If there's any number that's going to jump out at you like that, it is that. The hits per nine are way up. The strikeouts are down. The walks are way up. The home runs are way up. Um, same same time frame, 196.2 innings. 16 home runs last year, 11 home runs and 58 innings this year. He is getting beat badly to the point where they had to send him down to the minors. I hope he's able to regain his form because he just was not producing well enough uh, to remain on the major league roster. Um, he would be a nice person that if he can come back to his form and even be decent, 
not even like Cy Young level out, Noah, but just get through the rest of the season and be okay. Maybe get called up in August and finish out the season as a decent starter. That would be enough to be a make a huge difference because the big thing about this team is that in the absence of Alec Manoa, they do not have another starting pitcher who can really go in there that they can rely on consistently, and they've had to basically use the bullpen, um, wear them out once every five days, and just don't want to do that. So if Manoa is not going to come along, I would expect that the Blue Jays are going to have to make a move. Uh, to acquire another starting pitcher to finish out this season. That's fair. That's fair. Um, did you see the the stats on Alex Manoa's uh, first game in the minors back after being sent down? Yeah. Wasn't great. Um, yeah, he got absolutely rocked by basically teenagers. Um, has since had a, a couple starts that have looked a lot better. Ten strikeouts in his last double-A start. So that's looking promising. The bit, it's just the thing is, it's probably, um, like, I don't think there's anything horribly noticeable in his mechanics. The fastball velocity is a little bit down, so hopefully he can regain that uh, with a little bit of time uh, to rest and, and recover, But especially over this all-star break. But high expectations for Alec Manoa, and he has not met them. Hopefully he's able to get back to being at least okay for the rest of the season. Moving into the AL Central, Kyle, the Twins are on top, uh, closely followed by the Guardians. Uh, let's let's talk about these guys. This division sucks. <laughs> the Twins are on top. They are 500. I was going to say, like, it's going to be hard to talk about the Royals because that is a, that is a win-loss record that hurts to look at. Um, the story of the Minnesota Twins this season has been that their pitching has been quite good, a couple names excluded. Um, Sonny Gray has come back and been a, an absolute revelation, uh, continued to, to surprise. Uh, they've got some great uh, bullpen pieces, in particular, uh, Joan Duran, their, their closer, uh, or the person who primarily serves as their closer. I think they're a little bit more closer by committee. But Carlos Correa has been really disappointing. Uh, 228 batting average, 299 OBP, 414 slugging percentage. Uh, not the kind of numbers you would have expected out of the Carlos Correa. And really, Byron Buxton, again, to spending too much time on the injured list. They have not really had a hitter come out and hit particularly well. One of their best uh, hitters in terms of OPS plus is Joey Gallo. The problem is he's hitting 191. Yes, he has 15 home runs. Because, but he's having the most Joey Gallo season you can come to expect from him. The bats need to be way better if this team wants to get to the playoffs and compete. Uh, shockingly, the same story is happening in Cleveland. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Aside from Jose Ramirez, this team can't hit. Um, Josh Naylor has been good. Aside from that, everyone else below average. Big extension for Andres Jimenez. I think they were hoping for bigger things out of him. Stephen Kwan, I think they were hoping for bigger things out of him, too. That con that contact rate has gone way down. And the starting pitching is not as good as it has been in years past. Shane Bieber has been good, and Taylor uh, Bibby has been good, but 
They expected bigger things out of Kyle Quattrall, I'm sure. He has not been that. The bullpen has not been as strong as it has been in years past. So they need to rely more on their hitting, and so far they have not been able to. Detroit is having a Detroit season. They're still on the build. The biggest thing for them was going to be, are the young players showing promise? And Riley Green, to his credit, absolutely showing that promise they're hoping for out of him at this point. Um, Akil Badu has been, and and uh, Riley Green have been hurt a bit too much, unfortunately. But they're at least starting to show that promise that this team is coming to hope for. The problem is the pitching has been, um, starting pitching has been real bad. Uh, ex- with few exceptions, Eduardo Rodriguez has had a very good season when he's gotten to start. Aside from that, they haven't gotten good starting pitching out of anybody, and the bullpen is only just okay. Chicago White Sox are among the most disappointing teams in the year. They have regressed fully this season's another really disappointing season. Uh, biggest sad thing to see, Tim Anderson. Nowhere close to the form where they would want him to be at. Uh, slash line 231, 270, 267. That is a and it's really disappointing. I want the best things for him because he's a great and fun player in the league, and he's just been awful. Um, they had high expectations for this starting rotation, and nobody's really emerged as anything more than solid. Uh, Giolito and Cease have been okay. Um, Cease's numbers have been worse, but his peripherals look slightly better. I can't really say good things about this White Sox organ, or team this year. It has not been good, and that is sad because they had some expectations coming into the season. Unlike Kansas City Reds, the Royals, who are just bad. And the biggest thing about them this year, uh, the biggest note for them being bad, is that Salvador Perez, um, they were hoping he would recapture the form of two years ago. He just fully hasn't. He has gone to being an average hitter. And when he's far and away the best hitter on this team. That's about what you come to expect. If you want to talk about uh, this season, uh, we can talk about the starting pitching. Zach Greinke, legend of uh, of the Royals and of the game in general. He is 1-8 and eight this year with a 5.15 ERA, um, which his only solace is that Jordan Lyles is 1-11 with a 6.68 ERA. They're just trotting these guys out there and having them be dudes who can throw innings, and that's the best you can hope for out of this rotation. There is no promise on this team either. None of the young players have emerged into the level that this team wanted them to, and that's not a good sign. Uh, maybe Maciel Garcia started to uh, make that emergence, but beyond him, it's not great. And their best release pitcher, they traded to Texas. That was a Rolls check. Well, Texas is where we're going next, and we're moving on to the AL West, Kyle. Um, the story of Texas is the opposite of the story of the Central. Uh, they're hitting great. Corey Seager has looked like an absolute beast. Um, he would be an MVP candidate, except for somebody else we're going to talk about in the same division, because um, there is only one this year. Um, but the rest of this team... Uh, Across the board, their bats have been great. Josh Jung has finally started to emerge as a solid hitter. Travis Jankowski looking 
like an absolute world beater of a contact hitter. He's hitting 325, and the OBP is 426. That's amazing. Um, Marcus Semyon is not at like MVP Marcus Semyon form, but he's very, very good. And I think the, the Texas Rangers will take that. Not a bad hitter across the squad. This has been a very, very good season for their bats. The pitching, which we kind of expected to be their down, um, the bullpen in particular, adding, um, or all this Chapman to it is going to be very helpful because the bullpen is solid, but could maybe use an extra arm or two. Um, the starting pitching has been surprisingly very good, even after losing Jacob to ground for the season, which was heartbreaking. Please, Jacob, we just want a full healthy season of you. Um, but veterans like Jonathan Gray and Nathan Eovaldi have been very, very good. The only concern for them is the ERAs across the board for the starting pitching are vastly outperforming those FIPs. If the pitching regresses to the mean, I think Texas will still be okay because their hitting has been very, very good. But they're getting their necks breathed down by their cross-state rival in Houston. And Houston is very, very talented, except we're starting to see the signs that this is not the Houston team of old, particularly in the bats. There's been there's been good hitting, but Jose Altuve has been hurt for a lot of the season. Um, Alex Bregman has been average, which for a guy like Alex Bregman is not what you're sort of hoping for. Aside from Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez, it's been a lot of dudes who have been sort of dudes for this for this team this season in the bats department, and the pitching has been good for the starting pitching, particularly. Uh, Tom Valdez is probably the AL favorite for the Cy Young Award right now. Um, and the bullpen has been very, very good, uh, though it isn't horribly deep. That is the only concern. I would expect to see them to acquire another bullpen arm and potentially another bat at the deadline. The only question is, do you have prospects left to trade um, if you're Houston? LA has been... Having another L.A. season, Mike Trout has been excellent, which is disappointing for Mike Trout's standards. Um, but still, he's got 18 home runs this season already. He's one of the biggest home run hitters of the year. Uh, the average is a bit down, but the power numbers have been excellent. He's still playing center field at a solid level. Um, they're getting some other hitting. But then there's Shohei Itani. Remember I said um, Mike Trout is having a good power season with 18 home runs? Shohei is 31 at the time of recording. He is hitting at an Aaron Judge level, except the difference is um, Aaron Judge isn't also a an all-star quality starting pitcher. Tears for Shohei. He has been all-star quality as a pitcher, an MVP quality as a hitter alone, and the team is just above 500 and out of the playoffs right now. Is this has there ever been a guy like this in baseball before? Like, doesn't he hold like almost all of the Angels' records currently right now, stat wise? Um, uh, he's the leader in 
basically every category. Has there been a player like this before? Yes, but not since like the 1880s. Okay. All right. So it's been a minute. Yeah, he's he's on another planet. Um, disappointing teams, uh, the Seattle Mariners being below 500. This is a team that made the playoffs last year, that beat the Blue Jays in the playoffs last year. And while they're getting some good performances, I think finally getting Jared Kalinick, uh, hitting uh, at that level that they kind of wanted him to is a positive. Julio Rodriguez average as a batter. That's not what you want out of Julio Rodriguez. Teoscar Hernandez, I think they were hoping for bigger things out of him. He's been good, but not great. And the pitching has been what's sort of carried them through this season. Luis Castillo, George Kirby, both uh, solid, solid starters, or uh, uh, very, very good starters. The bullpen hasn't been particularly great. It's just sort of been average for a bullpen. Um, but unless the bats get going, particularly guys like Julio Rodriguez, like Teoscar Hernandez, this is just not going to be a team that's going to be able to to pull their socks up. Uh, and there were high expectations going into the season for them. This is just disappointing for them to uh, reach down to that level. Oakland is a team that plays professional baseball. That is the only nice thing I can say about them. Um, they got a good color scheme, Kyle. I like I like green and yellow. Yeah, they have had a couple of players who have played decently, which is prop. Brent Rooker has been pretty good as a hitter. Um, none of their pitchers have been particularly good. JP Sears, I guess, has been an average starter which is basically probably punched their ticket to get traded. That's how this Oakland team works. They have torn it down to the studs, and we are seeing the studs. Um, let, let me go through this. The, at every position, they have their guy, their top um, players in terms of batting average. Let me give you the 11 players who have played the most, who have hit the most for uh, have had the most played appearances. No, let's say 12. 12 players who have had the most played appearances this season for the um, Oakland Athletics. Let me give you their batting averages. 203, 229, 196, 196, 209, 212, 258, 213, 243, 204, 203, 232, 221. How are you supposed to win games like that and, oh, by the way, their starting pitching is among the worst in baseball. Uh, ERAs for the best starters, or the most prominent starters, by the way, J.P. Sears at a sizzling 443, which is an ERA press of plus of 91, which means he's below average. Ken Waldachuk, 678. Uh, James Caprellian, uh, 634. Luis Medina, 637. Kyle Muller, 779. So he got sent down. And Paul Blackburn, thankfully, coming in at a merciful 450. The bullpen is not better. Um, yeah, it's bad. And it's going to continue to be bad because they're not moving anytime soon. Oh boy, they'll be a tire fire for years. That wraps up the American League. Let's get into the National League. Uh, the NL East is led by these powerhouse Braves that don't seem like there's much stopping them. Um, Braves have been great. I don't have a lot to really say about them. Everybody who you kind of expect would be and that would be good uh, has been. 
Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. looks like he is the early candidate for as the MVP of the NL. Uh, but there's other great players in his team who he might be competing with. Sean Murphy's having an unreal season behind the plate. Um, and their backup catcher, Travis Darno, has also been hitting very, very well. Across the board, they're above average. All of their starters are hitting above average uh, OPS pluses. The lowest among their starters is Michael Harris, is 104. And he is an absolute dynamo on the base paths. So, um, and just to be clear about something that is game-changing right now, Ronald Cooney Jr., who is, I said, I mentioned, uh, an early MVP candidate, it has been 84 games. He has stolen 40 bases. That is unheard of for the modern era. He could get to numbers that we haven't seen since Ricky Henderson which is high praise, let me tell you. Um, the pitching has also been very good. The Braves are just very good. Uh, it's cool to see. Man, it turns out uh, Alex Anthopoulos, uh, pretty good at team construction. Who knew? Only concern for them, there are some injury issues in that pitching staff in particular. If they can ride that out, um, another World Series candidate for sure. Uh, surprise of the year has been the Miami Marlins <clears throat> uh, in terms of positive surprises. Luis Reyes is flirting with 400. He's got a batting average of 388. Uh, last guy to hit 400, by the way, Ted Williams, if you want a, an idea of how long it's been. Jesus. Um, the starting pitching has been very, very good as well. Bullpen has been pretty solid. Um, maybe there's some regression to the mean to come from Miami, but um, they're not getting a ton of pressure from the rest of the NL East. The Phillies have been uh, kind of just okay. Uh, Bryce Harper has spent a lot of this season hurt, which is disappointing. He's come back from a major injury very ridiculously quickly, which is very impressive, and has continued to be one of the better hitters on the team despite that, which is on the other world. But the big thing about them Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Taiwan Walker, these are very, very good starting pitchers who they expected better numbers out of than they've been getting. The peripherals do look very good for Zach Wheeler, though. His FIP is 283 as opposed to his 403 ERA. I expect the pitching will rate the ship a little bit, and then we could probably expect to see the Phillies compete for a playoff spot, which we can't say about the Mets. $320 million payroll, and they have been terrible. Um, I'll give them credit where credit is due. Pete Alonzo is hitting dingers. Brandon Nimmo looks like a very good player, which I guess they can be happy about because they signed him for a lot of money, but that's true of everybody. And uh, Francisco Alvarez being a 21-year-old starting catcher and performing at a de decent level, that's very, very good to see. Um, the starting pitching has been just sort of okay I think they expected bigger things out of Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, who are 38 and 40, respectively. Uh, we're starting to see that they're not been terrible. They've been solid. But solid isn't what they paid $40 million a season for. Maybe it should have been. And this is ultimately the problem. The bullpen is, um, as a few very good performers, who, by the way, again, David Robertson is 38. Um, 
Adam Adovino is 37. Brooks Raley is 35. Baseball is trending younger. And it is odd to see that baseball's oldest team has a 21-year-old starting catcher. And they're still, and this has just been the problem, is that this season has worn the Mets down. They're going to miss the playoffs, and that is well below expectations. I don't really have a lot to say about the Nationals. They're bad, but they're the kind of bad we expect them to be. Nobody really standing out uh, in a particular positive way. I guess Josiah Gray, a promising starting pitcher uh, at 25, performing pretty well. And Jimer uh, Candelario having a good hitting season. Uh, yeah, they're, they're bad. The NL Central. Uh, on top, we have the Brewers. Yeah. And the Brewers have been a, a bit of a surprise. They had kind of traded a few players away uh, in the past, but they're getting some uh, strong performances, mostly out of the pitching, which, guess what? It's the Brewers. It's no surprise. Christian Yelich has been very good again, which is kind of what they needed him to be. The rest of the hitting has been not great, so they kind of need that to pick up in the second half of the season. Uh, Devin Williams is on an elite level of closers. Uh, that few have reached so far this season. He has been very, very good. The peripheral is a little concerning. He's walking maybe a few too many guys this year, but um, he's still missing a lot of bats. They can probably get better performances out of their starting pitchers. Corbin Burns has been only sort of okay, which is he's an uh, an MVP caliber pitcher. Gotta expect bigger things out of him. Sort of uh, not quite the same level, but Freddie Peralta sort of the same thing. Um, I expect the Brewers could probably pick things up. I don't know that they can really get a lot worse than they necessarily have been to continue to win games like they have. So that's promising. How are the Reds this good? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Matt McClain has earned has emerged as one of the best young shortstops in the game of baseball, and he might be supplanted by Ellie De La Cruz, who has emerged as a future absolute superstar in baseball. Um, and then the pitching has not been great, minus Hunter Green, who has started to really uh, come into his own as a starter. Um, I do expect this team to sort of slide backwards. I think the hitting is going to kind of revert back, and that's going to be the thing that maybe breaks them a bit. But I... If they make the playoffs, that would be a massive, massive uh, success story. Have not much to say about Pittsburgh or uh, Chicago. They have both been not very good. Andrew McCutcheon is looking almost at all-star quality, so that's something. Like, and, and Rich Hill is still doing it in the year of our Lord. Um, 2023 at the age of 43 he's still out there being a starting pitcher not amazing but he's been solid uh david bednar is one of the best closers in baseball promise that is basically what you can ask for out of the pittsburgh pirates chicago cubs kind of in the same boat um couple of promising players but not really um ian happ has been okay but i think they kind of expected bigger things out of him uh, Christopher Morrill in limited time hitting very, very well. Uh, OPS plus of 151. 
So that's that's promising if he can continue to do it. And don't look now, but two potential Cy Young candidates pitching for the Chicago Cubs. Um, Justin Steele has been excellent this season, nine and two with a two forty three ERA. And Marcus Stroman, it's Marcus Stroman, uh, nine and six with a two seventy six ERA. Um, he's been fantastic, uh, which I'm very excited to see for him. Again, really for the Cubs, you're just looking for some promising things. Um, among the biggest disappointments in baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals are bad. Um, Paul Goldschmidt has been Paul Goldschmidt. He's been excellent, as you kind of come to expect. And kind of a similar story. Lance, uh, Norlin Arenado, not amazing, but he's still been very good. And as we're starting to get on in the years for these guys, you can't expect them to be at that super high level. So you need that next generation to step up and, and emerge and take those jobs from them. And so far they haven't. Dylan Carlson, another disappointing season by his standards. Uh, Lars Newtbar, who they kind of had big, big hopes for, has been good. He's just not been great. Alec, Alec Bergleson, kind of the same story. Jordan Walker, 21, uh, having some uh, impressive starts to get into it now uh, as they kind of added him to the rotation a bit. And the pitchers, boy, Adam Ring, Wainwright came back for one more year, and it has been sad. 3-3 three and three record, which is a miracle considering his 7.45 ERA. The bullpen is among the worst in baseball, which for the to the Cardinals, when does this ever happen? Um, I do wonder if this pitching staff is missing the, you know, uh, the sure hand of Yadier Molina being back there. This team has been in a bit of a tailspin, and it would be shocking if they make the playoffs. They're this far back. Absolutely. Uh, Kyle, the last uh, division we got to get into is the NL West. It's led by the Diamondbacks. Tell me about these Diamondbacks. I will tell you about these Diamondbacks. Now, <clears throat> Gabriel Moreno slowly starting to turn his season around. Uh, he had been a little bit of a disaster early on, but uh, still, he's a 23-year-old catcher starting in the league. That's really, really incredible. Um, they, uh, Lourdes Gurriel, who they also got in that trade, has also been solid. Um, Cattell Marte, among the best second basemen in baseball. And uh, Geraldo Pedromo, Pedromo, or sorry, Perdomo, um, among the better young shortstops, he's only 23. Uh, he has an excellent season, 127 OPS plus. But this, the long, the, or sorry, the story of this season is Corbin Carroll is one of the best young players in all of baseball. Um, OPS plus of 150. He's got 17 home runs. He's got 24 stolen bases. He's only 22. And he's an MVP candidate. That's bananas. Um, pitching has start, slowly started to right the ship, which has been uh, a bit of a concern for this team. Madison Bumgartner being cut was a really, really sad thing to see. But beyond that, pitching has been good. Zach Gallen, sort of the leader of this rotation, having another excellent season. Uh, could sort of float along into potential Cy Young conversation if he can pitch to the level that I you know, kind of expect out of him. Bullpen's been very good across the board. No superstars. Another uh, former Blue Jay, Miguel Castro. Um, boy, they've a lot of guys who have moved turned their careers around. Just a very, very good team led by some young, young superstars. Arizona looks like they could be a team of the future. 
which is bad news for a division that didn't need another good team in it. The Dodgers are still the Dodgers. Um, maybe some disappointing seasons from a couple people, uh, but the stars are continuing to be very good. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, the guys you'd expect are having excellent seasons for this team. And they're even getting a good hitting performance out of Jason Hayward, of all people, which that's amazing to see. J.D. Martinez still doing J.D. Martinez things um, in 2023, which is impressive. And don't look now, their best starting pitcher far and away, even though he's currently hurt uh, as of recording, Clayton Kershaw. 10 and 4, 255 ERA. Um, striking guys out like you come to expect out of Clayton Kershaw. Um, some disappointment across the board for some of their other starting pitchers, particularly Julio Arias having a down season. And oh, Noah Syndergaard, there were big things expected of him. He has been, frankly, awful this season. But uh, if they can continue to ride things out, and Lord knows is the team that can acquire players at the deadline if they need to. With their infinite money, Dodgers are going to continue to be a threat. And San Francisco clinging to dear life to a potential playoff spot. Finally, some of the players that they wanted to emerge have. Patrick Bailey has been an excellent, excellent catcher for them this season in the the limited time that he's gotten to do it, Uh, which is good because the guy who they kind of pegged to be that guy, Joey Bart, just has never emerged at the MLB level. Um, a lot of veterans who are performing uh, at least adequately. It's sad to see Brandon Crawford sort of falling apart at the end like this, but sort of the expectation at this point. Again, this is an older team, and this is just sort of what happens in baseball. Uh, similar thing with starting rotation. Uh, they've been good in parts, but concerns at the back end of the rotation. Ross Stripling, another former Blue Jay, having a really awful season. Similar for Alex Wood. Um, they're going to need somebody to emerge in that rotation if they're going to continue to compete. Again, Sean Manet, another one. He's been demoted to the bullpen. <sighs> really sad to see. Uh, was a star for Oakland and, and not having the same success across the bay. The single most disappointing team of this season has been the San Diego Padres. They've had an excellent performance from Hassan Kim who has emerged as one of the best defensive middle infielders in all of baseball. Juan Soto is looking like uh, he's back to big-time Juan Soto form. Um, 277 average, 426 OBP. He's walking like wild. He's 77 walks this season in 85 games. Um, This guy just gets on base. Fernando Tatis has been excellent. Manny Machado has been a big disappointment. Xander Bogarts has been okay, but they didn't bring in Xander Bogarts to be okay. And those other names, Matt Carpenter, Aaron, or Austin Nola, um, Jake Cronenworth, have been really, really not good. They're getting big performance out of a couple of their big names, but not much else beyond. And Which is disappointing because the rotation isn't awful. You Darvish, concerning. Um, Lilo numbers, but the peripherals look okay, so he might be able to regress back to the mean and be successful this season. And Josh Hader has been an amazing closer when they've been able to get to him. The problem is they've had some disappointing players, uh, in particular guys like Machado, 
They need him to be better if they want to compete. And their expectations are championship. They're not likely to make the playoffs right now. I don't want to talk about Colorado. They're bad, and they should feel bad. Um, should they feel worse than the Royals? I don't know. Ryan McMahon's. Um, yeah, because at least the Royals have a couple of young players that maybe have a future. And at least they have ownership that has shown in the past a willingness to potentially compete a little bit. The Montfort seems so content just being bad. And they're going to continue to be that because there's nobody coming here to save this team. Um, Ezekiel Tovar, impressive that he's a 21-year-old shortstop and been performing solidly, but this team is chock full of veterans who are not playing up to their to their expectations. And surprise, surprise, pitching in Colorado is bad. That's the league. So that is the league. So going into the All-Star game, Kyle, uh, we have four Jays uh, in the All-Star game. Do you want to quit? Do do you want to end the show with a quick little like run through uh, Bo Bichette, uh, Vladdy, Whit, <laughs> Whit Merrifield, which is not a name that I expected necessarily. But uh, and and uh, I believe it was Kevin Kiermeyer, was it not? Um, I think you're right about that. Um, I thought Kevin Gossman was an all star too. I thought they had five. Let me double check. Um, very it would make sense. Contact, I, I might be wrong. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll start about Bobachet. I'll start with Bobachet. Uh, Bobachet again. I, I mentioned he's been the best player for the Blue Jays this year. He's hitting amazingly. Um, yeah. He he has been a very, very good player for this team. Whit Merrifield, solid contact hitter, uh, doing <clears throat> a wonderful job of playing, you know, good uh second base. He's such a he's an interesting utility name, which is kind of um he's kind of filling the surprise role of Santiago Espinal filled last season. Uh Vladimir Guerrero has been good. We talked about it. Uh the expectations are higher than good, but he has been very good. Make no mistakes. Um, the last name for the Blue Jays was Kevin Gossman. Uh, I mentioned okay. he was been their far away, their best starting pitcher. No surprise to see him on this all-star team. And I expect him to compete as a potential, um, player who could be a, um, a Cy Young candidate down the line, down the stretch. Though there are a few other guys like Shane McClanahan, uh, like Framber Valdez, who I think would be the favorites of that. That's fair. Well, Kyle, I believe that wraps up our very first edition of Friday Morning Lights. It does. Um, yeah, it was it was great to to do this. Uh, ran on a little longer than I was expecting, but yeah, it's fun to talk about about baseball and all of these things. We had a lot of sports content today. Yeah, we, we I think we we the the theme of our first episodes on the new uh, network is that they ran a little longer than uh, we anticipated them to, but such is the case when. Uh, we have guests, and when you get to talk about baseball, it is always such a fun experience for me and any, I know anyone else who, who, who we've had on the program. With all that being said, though, Kyle, why don't you send the people home happy? Well, thank you so much for listening all the way in. We appreciate you so much, and you have been lit. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. Have a good afternoon.
You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.